Welcome to Cups and Cakes Presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded February 12th, 2017. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at www.cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm Marvin Greensboro. Joining me today on Inside the Artist Studio is Edmonton expat Doug Hoyer. Mr. Hoyer is set to release his fourth full-length album entitled Stepping Stone through Mangled Tapes. The album finds him dialing back his big pop sound to produce a much more restrained record with a homemade feel. On Stepping Stone, Mr. Hoyer waxes nostalgic about his old hometown, visits a Star Trek convention, and tries to cope with his new surroundings in Athens, Georgia. Welcome back, Mr. Hoyer, to Inside the Artist Studio. Thanks for joining us. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Before we get started here, chatting about the new album, I think our listeners would love to know what you think about living in the States right now. My day-to-day life is great down there. The people I interact with are awesome. Athens is this great, like, little liberal hub of, like, people doing things, and there's creativity, and there's great weather, and it's kind of got everything you want. I mean, it's like 120,000 people, so it's kind of, it's on that cusp of, like, a a town while it still has everything you want in it. Right. So my day-to-day life is great down there, but just there's that overwhelming dread of the oncoming apocalypse that is the president. So it's like, you're just like having a good day and then you feel guilty about it because you know that we're all about to be like blown up accidentally or something. Pretty much, hey? Yeah. I take it, uh, actually you're probably not allowed to vote down there, are you? Um, I'm not allowed to, but according to Trump, I'm one of the many illegal uh, voters that he or something like that. So, yeah. I'm surprised you're even here. Are you sure you're going to be able to make it back home? Man, that's like a real concern. I know you're kind of joking or something, but like, I'm like, my wife and I actually had to talk about that before we came down. Like, just because that first week and a half was so crazy. I thought, you know, what if I'm I'm here in Edmonton to do some schoolwork? And what if trying to get down? What if I'm stopped? And she said, if they aren't going to let you back into the States, then things are are messed up and i'm gonna get out so if that happens we'll take it as it comes but apparently i think i just read something today that says that like all this stuff's going to the courts all this banned stuff so who knows man what what a weird time (laughs) yeah he forgot about all the checks and balances yeah yeah there's a couple just likes checks (laughs) i love checks (laughs) checks are good anyway I noticed you've been playing a few shows in Athens. Yeah, I've been playing down there, yeah. How's that going? It's It's been fun, yeah, it's been fun. Lately, I've been playing with my friend Henry Adams, and he's been joining me on cello. And it's been really fun to reapproach some of my songs with more of an acoustic setup uh, like that. So yeah, I've liked that, and uh, I don't know, it's fun to, to play some of the old songs. They get a new life when they're faced to a new audience, in a way. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's fun. I, can, I feel like, okay, revisiting a lot of older material, and it's not weird. You haven't had too many troubles diving into a, a fresh new scene? No, it's been pretty good. I mean, um, 
yeah, it's just like one of those things where I am a little bit older now nowadays than I used to be. So um, sometimes it's I have to kind of like remind myself like, hey, Doug, you should go just like check out a show. You should just go check something out and like see what's going on. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been good. Athens is, like I said, it's that middle small. It's, it's kind of small. So you kind of get to know people pretty quick. I felt like after a few months, I met a lot of the people like, you know that do a lot of things but then every few months i realize there's a lot of people i don't know and i should uh, do some investigating and, and check out different things that are happening there's a lot of experimental in music in athens and and uh yeah there's a lot of stuff going on that i need to lot need to soak up yes yeah. okay well this album sounds a little bit more stripped down than what we're used to was this a conscious decision i did record it naked that's right yes oh well, that's that extra sound we heard flopping around. A little skin flute, maybe, <laughs> in the background. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it was a conscious decision to record this album a little more mellow. Um, you know, back here in Edmonton, I had access to so many musical friends that could join me on bongos or violins or all kinds of things. Um, and I could have searched them out in Athens, but I thought that maybe it was a, a good opportunity for me to just sort of rely on my own abilities and and i felt kind of vulnerable with the move especially naked especially naked and so i thought that i should maybe feel comfortable with that vulnerability and so i i just sort of let that work through as well i i should tell you i was actually working on a, a different album idea and when i realized what that album would be it made me realize that I had a bunch of songs that wouldn't fit on that album mm. that were more personal. And so I thought, well, that one's a lot closer to being finished than the other one. So I, that's what made me finish Stepping Stone of uh, this batch of pretty personal songs. You know, I, when I say that, it sounds like they're really sentimental. Honestly, I've realized now that the album's finished, it's kind of goofy. Like at the time, I thought it was a really heavy, serious record. Uh, I was feeling really down. Um, I was struggling with getting things done, and and then, I, but in hindsight, when I look at it, it's like it's pretty funny. My friend, I showed it to my friend Mikey, maybe, um, or he raps under the name Mikey, maybe. And he was like, like Doug, what are you talking about? This is your funniest record yet. And so I, I don't know. I, I've, I guess, tragedy and comedy go hand in hand. Something about that yeah. time equals time or something. I don't know. Well, who knew your sad, depressing life was so funny? Yeah, I mean, it's not even depressing. I have a good life. I have a, I have a great, I have a great life. Uh, so I really shouldn't. I have the dream life, so I shouldn't complain about it. I was just going through some stuff, and, and uh, honestly, it was like loneliness was one thing, uh, being pulled from your community, things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't even know what your question was anymore. So that's yeah. okay. Oh, but yeah, this other record I was working on was called background actor mm-hmm. i was working on these jobs around movies because there's tons of movies being filmed in atlanta and georgia and i was working as a background actor on a lot of these or like an extra and anything we may know yeah um there's a movie out right now called hidden figures Ooh. so that one i'm vaguely seen in a few scenes kind of a hidden figure i am i uh, <laughs> See, I can't even make that joke. I can't be like, I'm the hidden figure in that movie because it's actually about like people who were like racially hidden in history. Like, uh, yeah, no. so I like really shouldn't make that joke, but, but I, I, I but it's tempting, but, yes. uh, but no, it, it's a great movie. I mean, I'm obviously very biased, but I saw it in theaters with my wife and it was fun. It was emotionally moving. It was, it kind of hit like all the bases you want to hit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I have to check it out. Yeah, and mostly TV work down there. Um, I almost 
I almost had a speaking line in the new Spider-Man movie, which would have been, yeah, which would have been a childhood dream. Like, can you imagine? You know what I mean? Like that would have. And so they had me, they, they liked my look. They thought I had a New York look. So they, uh, they asked, they said, okay, can you buy like today in like an hour? Can you make like a, make a video on your phone and we're going to submit it to our director. You're in the final eight. They've narrowed it down to eight people for this scene. We need you to react to the idea that you're witnessing a ATM robbery, which is shocking. And then you see a guy dressed as Spider-Man jumping in and, and uh, stopping it. And they're like, so we need you to witness that and swear. So can you just like film us like that and like and then and just send it to us? They're like okay. Well, it's Spider Man. So what do you? You can't even swear. Well, I, I, they wanted me to. They said right. you're acting, and that they gave examples, and they were very vulgar. And so what I did is my wife and I were running around because we had a like a dinner party with some colleagues of hers to go to. So we're like, okay, we'll stop at the supermarket and behind the supermarket, we'll film me saying all this stuff. So I'm just standing behind the supermarket as people are like getting out of their cars, and I'm just like. Holy fuck! (laughs) What the shit? (laughs) That's awesome. I I didn't get the part. Because I said, Holy fuck! (laughs) We wanted to curse. Yeah, so uh, your mind. I, I yeah, so I I didn't get it unfortunately. And it it, but it was it was pretty cool to know that it was almost um, a reaction shot in Spider Man homecoming. That would have been something else. I, I'm a vampire in a bunch of shows, Vampire oh. Diaries, and I'm a consistent vampire in one called The Originals. Oh, yes. I was really excited about that because, I don't know about you guys, but I was growing up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so I was picturing vampires with this, like, gnarly facial, you know, uh, not mask, but makeup, and, and just, like, having fangs and the whole deal. But I forgot that I'm in the era of, like, post twilight i guess that was like eight years ago or something so so they were like all right you're a vampire which just means that like you shop at forever 21 (laughs) like like, i'm just wearing like this like mesh black like shirt they're like great you're set it's vampire chic yeah exactly very disappointing very disappointing with that stuff all right oh and i usually for other shows i get cast as like professor or businessman I'll just have like a suit jacket and I have this like nice leather bag that I have at home that I really love and I'll bring it to sets and they're like, oh, you're great for this businessman look or like, like hip urban businessman or professor. So there's a show called The Quad where I'm a prof walking around. Uh, yeah, that one's interesting. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of shows that are, uh, I get to meet a lot of different people mm-hmm. that I would not normally meet in Athens and that's my favorite part about doing background acting. No. You've done all of these background scenes. Do you find yourself having to watch all of these fine-crafted television programs? No. No? You're not committed to Vampire Diaries? I don't have a TV, so uh, if it's on Netflix, I'll watch it, but um, otherwise, not so much. Oh, uh, there's one show that I watched online that I was on that was one of the first ones I worked on, which was actually pretty cool. What were they called? It was called Holt, Cat, Cat, Halt, Halt and Catch Fire. That's what the show is called. Yeah, I did a few episodes on that with um, the guy who's like a, he was in like Lord of the Rings or something. He's like seven feet tall. He actually looks a lot like you now that I mention it, but um, uh, but he's like seven feet tall and just like this this epic guy, and um, he plays sort of the Steve Jobs character. And in this one huge theater scene, I'm in the front row, right in front of him, and he just makes heavy eye contact with me for like a third of his speech. And like, man, heavy eye contact is creepy, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I think some people would agree with that. 
Maribel, my personal favorite song on the new album is my first Star Trek convention. Have you been to a few of those? I've been to one of them uh, when I was in Atlanta. Huh. I, I could tell you what, exactly what happened. It was uh, I, I'm a big Star Trek fan. Tell us the stories. I was watching it on Netflix, watching Next Generation, and it was this. It, my wife was in the field. She's a scientist, so she was gone in the field. Saturday night, I'm at home watching Star Trek on Netflix, and I think, man, like. I wonder if there's a convention coming to Atlanta because Atlanta's a huge hub. Like, there's got to be one. I Google it. It was that weekend. I was halfway through it. I was like, okay. So then I woke up early the next morning, drove into Atlanta as if I was going to church or something like that. And, you know, the sun is like rising and I'm go- driving on the highway. And I get in there and yeah, I go and I see Beverly, uh, not Beverly Crusher, but the actress who plays her, Gates McFadden talk. And David Bowie had recently passed away. So I got to ask her, you know, what was it like? working with David Bowie on the movie Labyrinth because Gates McFadden did the choreography for Labyrinth. She was a choreographer before she was an actress. So she got to talk about that and it was kind of like this nice emotional, not emotional, but it was just like a real, like a genuine moment and and uh, Jonathan Frakes was there as well, who played Commander uh, Riker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what was interesting about that is one of the first things he says when he comes out is he's complaining about Atlanta traffic. He says like, it's like you guys are LA. He's like Atlanta, the new Vancouver. And it clicked with me where I was like, Oh yeah, they film a ton of stuff in Atlanta nowadays. Flash forward to a couple of weeks later where a job falls through on me and my wife's like, Doug, like we need you to get a job. Like that job fell through. What are we going to do? So like that night I was like, it was like breaker in my mind. Like, the new Vancouver, Vancouver, Vancouver. And so I just like was applying for a bunch of uh, roles and the next week was booked solid being a background actor. So it was that Star Trek convention that led me to doing background work. Springboard you into the, the big pictures. Well, not, I guess, yeah, big pictures. The worst person that was there was like a guy who played, um, I don't remember the name, but like one of the main Klingon guys. And it was just kind of sad. It was just like kind of sad. He was like trying to do like this party thing. I just pictured him like partying in hotel rooms at conventions, like just as a Klingon. I don't know. It just seems like he just peaked and he's riding it, riding it. And you know what? Like, I don't know if I had a a wave to ride on, I would do it too. So what am I, what am I trying to say? All right. Last question before the rapid fire round. What are your plans for the uh, rest of 2017? Well, I'm in a hearing aid practitioner course, so uh, my plans are to keep focusing on that. I'll be coming back in, in, to Edmonton in May for a condensed course of that. Um, and other than that, just, uh, yeah, plugging away, writing some new tunes, working on the next record, which will be Background Actor. And, um, yeah, just uh, wow, now you've kind of caught me. I guess that's kind of about it. Working on those things, those are the main priorities in my life right now. My wife's trying to find a job in Canada to bring us back north. Um, so Ooh. maybe maybe packing up will be on the agenda, but who knows? Well, fair enough. Well, now we're going to move into rapid fire time. You're no stranger to this. Oh, go- you've done oh, it before, but I think we've added a couple new ones this time. Uh, I mean, oh, cool. Well, all right. What album sparked your love of music? Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads. What's your current musical obsession a friend of mine recommended that i listen to harvest moon by neil young mm-hmm. not harvest like not not the big record but harvest moon well which is also a big record it has the title track harvest moon right. and some others and i've been digging that a lot lately i don't know what mm-hmm. it is but there's a song called unknown legend that mm-hmm. kicks off the record and it just really gets you it gets me i mm-hmm. don't know and I, I, yeah that'd be a big one right now what's your favorite meal my favorite meal is called Dougie Surprise, and it's basically I saute some onions. It's just it's just pasta. 
This oh, okay. is pasta, basically, but it's kind of like whatever's in the fridge pasta, and I it's usually kind of my favorite thing, usually nice. involving uh, olives, though. Well, alrighty. How do you take your coffee? I used to take it black because I thought I was lactose intolerant, and now I've realized I'm not. So I've kind of rediscovering cream, that shimmering, shimmering uh, white porcelain. gold. The por- yeah, yeah. White gold porcelain in my cup. So how are you enjoying the cheese? Oh, um, yeah, that was yeah. That's always on the table. Oh, uh, cheese is a good thing. Have you had this thing called cheddar? Oh yeah, yeah, cheddar's pretty good. Alcohol or marijuana? Alcohol. What's your uh, beverage of choice? Um, lately wine, just like a simple red, red wine. Sounds good. Just that with any, honestly, any red wine with meat with a dinner is like that's that's great for me. What's the best thing to happen to you on stage? You, honestly, just playing with all the amazing musicians I've played with over the years. I've had so many great members of backing bands and people guesting or, or playing with me for even just like a period of a year or something like that. I've had great musicians in the 10 years I've been playing under my own name or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can just think of many times where I just have a moment on stage where I'll think, wow, how lucky am I to have be you know, playing with this person? So, yeah. Can you think of your worst situation? Worst situations on stage? Yeah. Usually situations where there isn't a stage and there isn't an audience. Those ones are the worst. Hmm. How many pets do you have? I have two pets. What I are their names? Max and Joey. So Joey is a, is a, the cat we've had for a couple of years now. She's a tuxedo cat. And then Max is this little, little black cat that um, he kept trying to sneak into our house in Georgia. I'd open the door and he'd like hop out from a neighbor's deck and he'd like run over and try to get into our house. I'm like, no way, you little rascal. And then one day it was going to be below freezing and I felt really bad for him. So I made like a little bed with like a hot water bottle and some food and put it out for him in the, in the back. And he stayed there in the morning. He was still sleeping in it and he's a little tiny kitten. So I took him to the Humane Society and we got him fixed and shots and stuff. And then we adopted him. And he likes to bite us a lot. He's really violent. Um, he, we call him a garbage cat because he used to kind of live in the dumpster. Um, but uh, It's the dumpster baby. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's it's kind of a weird thing. But you know what it is? It's teaching me kind of like limits or, or what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, boundaries. That's what I'm looking for. I'll pet Max three times and then he'll kind of nip at me. And that's just like a very obvious symbol of like him saying, I don't want you to pet me anymore. Right. And it's like something where it's like, I can be upset that he won't let me pet him. Or I can say, oh, I respect that this living creature, although not human, but like a creature says, is saying enough. And it's like, okay. So it's like teaching me that, which is like a little like kind of funny, but it's like, yeah, that things have boundaries. Even pets have boundaries. So yeah, that sounds really obvious, but it's like, it's been interesting to like have a pet teach it to you. What's the strangest job you've ever had? Uh, uh, probably garbage man. Just like a regular old garbage man? Yeah, I worked for a temp agency for two summers when I was like 19. My dad was like, you're in university and I, I'm, you're going to work at this this temp agency that's going to put you into horrible jobs that'll that'll keep you in school because you won't want to do those jobs. I'll be like, I was like, okay, yeah, I guess. And I needed money. So I was doing them. And, and one of them was a garbage man. And it was it was not horrible. It was weird, but it was not horrible. Um, I was actually just telling a friend recently that when I was working that job, it felt like it changed social order for me from instead of a linear line, it bent it into a horseshoe where I was at one end, but I could see the top of the other. So it's like I was so disgusting and filthy that when I would go to the A&W for lunch, I was like, I'm above you all. I disgust you, so I have the power. And that's how you get Trump. Yeah. 
that's the best uh, analogy I think I've ever heard. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. I feel I, I feel like cool people say Stones, but I'm like, you can't really say, not say Beatles. Like, I don't know. Anyways. What was your first car? Grand Marquis. Mm-hmm. Best Canadian city to play? To play? Mm-hmm. Why not say Edmonton? What's the worst? St. Catharines. What's the weirdest request you've had from a fan? Can you play my daughter's birthday? She's a big fan. That was really great, but it was just like a funny interaction to set up. What's something everybody needs to shut up about? Shutting people up. What's your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is probably people talking over others. I do it a lot myself, but I, I also, when I see it, it really bugs me. What's the best album to make sweet, sweet love to? Spotify playlist sweet love jams. <laughs> I don't think there's like an album for me. I'm sure there are many for a lot of people, but for me it's a playlist. Keeps keeps things changing. Favorite road trip album? One of two Joel Plaskett records. It's either La Di Da or Down at the Kyber. Just cuz I've driven across Canada with uh, a friend of mine and I just I don't know to me when I like when I'm on a road trip listening to some of the early Plaskett records really hits that spot. All right. If you could have sex with any musician, dead or alive, guy or girl, who would it be? It'd be my wife, uh, who played trombone on many of my records and cello on some of them, and sings on my current record. Yeah, uh, that would be the musician. Well played. If you could get wasted with any musician, dead or alive, who would it be, and what substance would you abuse? You know, I, I just like the idea of getting wasted is so unappealing to me that like getting wasted with a, like someone I idolize it sounds horrible. So I, do, I honestly, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that. I feel like if, if I got wasted with someone I really respect, I'd embarrass myself and it would be awful. So I, I don't, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. If you could fight any musician, dead or alive, who would it be? The guy from Jane's Addiction, the singer. Hmm. I just don't like them. So why not him? <laughs> Perfect answer. All right. Final question. It's an important one, and it tells us everything we need to know about you. If you just found out you were the last person alive on Earth, what's the first thing you would do? Break my glasses and be like, I had time to read! I finally had time to read! Alright, well you're probably the third person to reference that Twilight Zone episode. I think you need to change your question. (laughs) If that's if I'm the third person. Apparently that's quite a popular Twilight Zone episode. Well, Doug, thanks for joining us on Inside the Artist Studio. You know what? It was really nice that you uh, had me back. Huh. Anytime. Maybe. All right. Well, then I'll, I'll see you soon. Well, good luck on all your future endeavors. Oh, I don't need it. It's not what your grandma told me. Oh. <laughs> Marvin! <laughs> uh, I've bested you again, Mr. Hoyer. Well, why don't we check out one of your new tracks? about uh, my first Star Trek convention from the album Stepping Stone. It was my first Star Trek convention i never been to one of those before Everyone was there that you would want to see All of your favorites from TNG 
I even got to ask Beverly About choreography With David Bowie At my first Star Trek convention I'd never been to one of those before It was my first Star Trek convention I'd never been to one of those before For a better humanity One without currency or poverty But here they're selling junk and gouging me I'm in the temple shouting blasphemy Alright, giddy up Cakes Presents is produced by Jeff McCallum. The feature track was played with permission from Doug Hoyer. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Artist Studio is the second podcast from Cups and Cakes. To hear their original and learn more about Cups and Cakes, go to www.cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. You know what? You know what people say down south? You know what people say down south that drives me crazy? Like where I'm, I'm li- for those who don't didn't pick up on it, I'm living in Athens, Georgia. And people will say, you're fine. You're fine. And, and I find it so condescending. I don't know, I feel like we're in the grocery store and you're kind of like hogging the lane so you like move your cart. You're like, oh, sorry. And they're like, you're fine. I know I'm fine. I didn't like do anything wrong. Like, it's That's like, why I said sorry, son of a bitch. Yeah, it's like, I'm not like, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, I know I'm fine. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, you're fine. I find it condescending.